for it. You're gonna have to learn your cliches. You're gonna have to study them. You're gonna have to know them. Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and, you know, you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort. Ten, five, touchdown. Oh, man, you know, you just got to play one game at a time and go out there and give 110%. All right! Play ball. Hello, movie fans, and welcome to the 124th shot of this sports movie podcast known as Scoring at the Movies. Thanks for your download as we will talk about a Mr. Balboa movie for the fifth time on this channel. So fittingly, we're talking about Rocky V. That's also 4% of our episodes that are Rocky-centric. <laughs> we have a fetish. You're turning this into a data-driven podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I crunched some numbers earlier today. It took me a while. And we will be spoiling part five and surely all the Balboa flicks, as we always do when we cover one, from the opening credits to the final ding-ding. So be aware of that off the hop. I'm the man without any cojones although I do know what that word means, who believes a brain-damaged pug can beat the current reigning world heavyweight champion in a street fight, only in America. Ryan Ellis. And here's my pupil, my robot, my clone, the Clone Ranger, the brand new heavyweight champion of the whole wide world, Chris DiGregorio. Oh, thanks, Ryan. I didn't want to have to break it to you in this forum, but I've got my brand new, what is it, Cadillac convertible parked out Mm. front. At Christmas time. In Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. So uh, I'm signing with Don King. I'm out of here. I guess not Don King. It's Duke or whatever the hell. George name. Washington Duke. Okay. Clearly Don King. Clearly Don King, of course. But answer me this. Because it's a Rocky sequel, so every Rocky sequel opens with a little cut from the previous Rocky, right? Four so, minutes in this case. Yeah. And the previous movie's cut, the little like flashback to what ended the old movie, you've got Duke, right? The trainer, Duke. I know. Why would not call him anything other than Duke? Literally anything else. Because you've got Don King. You're just renaming Don King. You know that. So give him any other name. I don't know. Don Queen. Don Queen. (laughs) George George Queen. Yeah. Earl Queen or something. Prince. Also, did you notice, and I like this scene actually in the very beginning, after the four-minute opening of the previous movie, the montage, whatever. Sure. That when Rocky's shaking in the shower, hey, good Adrian, he calls him Tony. Yeah. Which is also what... Apollo called him in, I think, part two, and that is the guy's real name. Tony Burton yep. plays the character, but he was always called Duke. So I think it's supposed to be that's a nickname, just like Rocky is Robert Balboa's nickname. And I get that, but just from like a clarity no, I know, perspective, you're right. yeah. it makes no sense. And we don't see Duke Duke as in Tony Burton after that opening scene. No. But when you said, you know what you liked about the opening of this movie, and then you immediately referenced the shower, I thought you were going to talk about Balboa's chiseled buttocks. He looks impressive. Sliced alone, I suspect... And I'm sure we'll talk about the reasons why this movie exists, some of the motivations, because I think very clearly... Money? Yeah, <laughs> money, basically. <laughs> they pay him a lot of money, just like over the top. Well, not just that, but I think at this time in Stallone's career, because you're talking about a period of time when he had over-the-top fail. I think Rambo 3 was around here, which also mostly failed. Did it? Okay. Yeah, well, comparatively speaking. I think they also had... Oscar, Stop and My Mom. That came later, but... It was all in like a time frame where Balboa's career trajectory was... Stallone. (laughs) I guess we mixed that up. (laughs) Sorry, yeah. Stallone's career trajectory. He did mix and match his own career with what's going on with his main character here. It makes sense. He did with other movies. I can understand why he would say, okay, I need to make sure that I revive my image. Rocky as a franchise has always been a big hit for me, so I'll do Rocky V. But I don't want to get down to like the two and a half, three percent body fat I was in for Rocky Three, Rocky Four. So while he's still in great shape, he looks way bulkier just in profile and stuff in a muscular sense. I don't mean he was fat, 
but he, two days after he left Russia, probably, or a day, yeah. whatever it's been. That's Just a, like the kid's grown up five years. <laughs> <laughs> the stress of watching his dad fight Drago was so much that it aged Rob, it's Rob, right? I think it's Robert. his kid's name. Yeah, so he aged him five years overnight. And it became his own son. Sage Stallone plays yeah. his son in this. Why even have the son as a character in this movie? In some ways, he's the second lead. He's got probably, I know. He's probably got the second most screen time behind Stallone, and more, I would say, than Tommy or Adrian. Oh, I agree with you. My question is, why? You're trying to force this thing where Rocky's got the pseudo choice to make between Tommy as like an adoptive son. Yeah. And his actual son. And his actual son, which felt super forced to me as a conflict point. So aside from that, the kid basically has no purpose except to make Stallone's character Rocky feel guilty at various points. And throughout the movie, we get these snippets of, initially anyway, Robbie struggling at school, getting his ass kicked, beating the hell out of Kevin Connolly, which I kind of like to see because whenever I saw Kevin Connolly in Entourage, I always wanted to punch him in the face just because he's got a punchable face. So He's the bully. Yeah, the kid that Robbie beats up and then becomes his friend. I knew he was in the movie. I didn't know he was yeah. the bully. Okay. None of that stuff ever gets any real attention or resolution. Robbie's struggling at school. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so what? Who cares? Everybody struggles at school at various points. Well, he's doing okay, probably grades-wise, at least at first, because he was a really good student. Yeah. In the opening part of the movie, he's this, like we call it, uppity kid when he first gets to the, what is it, the east side of Philly? Well, anyway, the hard part of I Philly. Guess, yeah. Where Rocky and Adrian and Polly came from. But when he gets there, he's erudite. He's, well, as Rocky says, you're smarter than me. And apparently a real good artist, real good grasp of female mm. anatomy. We know that. It cracked me up in ways it wasn't intended to crack me up because you get Robbie get beat Robert. up. <laughs> Robert, Robert, Robbie, whatever. He gets beat up. The kid steals his jacket. He goes home. He's like, Mom, Dad, they stole my jacket. And Rocky's like, oh, that sucks. Oh, what are you going to do? You got to defend yourself, kid. And then later in the movie, he's like, I got my jacket back, Dad. He's like, oh, that's real good. Go tell your mom. She'll love to hear this. I'm like, no. She's the one that said she doesn't want him fighting. She yeah. doesn't want to hear about he kicked the snot out of Kevin Connolly and took his jacket back. Rocky, you're a putz. What's wrong with you? Rocky is busy at that moment with Tommy. Yeah. So he's doing his job and he could hear the story later on. I actually sympathize a little bit with Rocky in that oh, scene. You know what I thought about when I saw that scene? Because you and I have both experienced this with members of our respective families at various points, young kids. You as an adult are doing something that you have to focus on right there. Okay. And all of a sudden a kid runs in and goes, ooh, 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 to mm -hmm. say something that could wait until later, mm -hmm. doesn't need to be said right now, but they really want you to hear it. That's exactly what Rob was doing just then. He's like, dad, dad, dad. And meanwhile, he's literally getting punched at that moment by Tommy in training. Because Rocky's working. Yeah. He's working. So that, by the you. way, is going to bring me to the nutshell. Because at that point, had Tommy already boxed and won? I forget. But yes. as the movie goes on, of course, he wins many fights. And when you do that, you're going to make some money. You're not maybe rich yet, but you're going to make some money. So, Rocky Five in a nutshell, successful boxing trainer refuses a paycheck. Now, why do I say that? Because Tommy rises up the ranks fast, yet the Balboas are still living in the same tiny house, what must be months later. And Adrian's still working at the pet shop. Right. It's one thing for Rocky to keep working in his gym. It is his gym. He got it from Mickey. But why are they still living in this house that none of them want to be in in the first place? Where they can't even have somebody stay over and not bump out the kid from his own room. Yeah. Rocky says, okay, I'm going to take over the gym that Mickey left me, right? That's how I'm going to make money. A boxer comes in and says, hey, Rocky, I want you to manage me. And he turns around and says, no, I ain't no manager. What are you doing here? Like, Training. That's a little different. He must be a trainer, not a manager. It is. But if you're going to operate the gym, you have to expect at some point somebody's going to ask you to be a manager, mm -hmm. right? His, he is dumb. 
He's back to being dumb in this movie. Don't forget, we talked in Rocky 3 and 4. We've covered them out of order, but we've done 2, 3, 4, and Creed 2, because Bev and I covered Rocky and Creed 1 on my other podcast, now called Have You Ever Seen? If you want to look for those way back in those archives. But we talked before in 3 and 4, he's so corporate, and he doesn't even sound like Rocky. He doesn't have some of the same malaprops. Well, they're back. And Robert even comments to Polly about, does dad seem different to you? Yeah. And that's probably partly because they're trying to bring back the first movie. You bring oh, back yeah. John G. Avildsen. Stallone directed, well, of course, he wrote all these, but he directed two, three, and four. And now Avildsen's back, gives the movie some of the same look. They're back in some of the same locations. And Rocky's back to sounding like he did in the first and second movie, the way he didn't sound in three and four. And the way he didn't look, he wears the old clothes again. Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, as much as I love them, as much as I think you love them, and they're fun, they were getting progressively goofier as they went. So I could totally understand him saying, listen, I'll do it, but you have to find a way, or we have to write something to find a way to get Rocky back to his roots. I could see that being the director saying that. Is that what you sure. mean? Or Stallone. You mean Stallone? Either the one. Way. The desire to get the character back to the roots coming from somewhere, I get that for sure. So you talk about the clothes coming back. You just had to sell basically everything you own. Sure, pull the old wardrobe out, right? No problem. Amazing it still fits, but yeah, no problem. And even his way of speaking, I'm sure we've all done it ourselves or we've known somebody who might move away from a place. Madonna goes to England, adopts an English accent. Like That's an extreme example of this. But, you know, you just move away from Toronto, move away from New York, move away to Boston, to California or something. You're going to lose some of your accent, some of your manners of speech. People say when they go back home that sometimes it comes back pretty fast, though. Exactly. Christmas or something. That's right. They go back to Kentucky and they start sounding like a Kentuckian again. So that's what I think they're going for here is Rocky goes back to his hood of Philadelphia roots. He gets some of that mannerism back. He's smoking again, drinking yeah. beer again, which he really wasn't done now the past couple well, movies. You're not going to get as ripped as Rocky right. in those last movies drinking mm-hmm. beer. But the way they got there is, in my view anyway, so misguided and flawed. But let's assume that Rocky loses everything somehow, and i got to talk about that oh, too. Yes. But he loses it all, right? The least sensible thing in the whole movie, actually. Yeah. His value goes to zero, has to sell the house, everything. This is a guy that is so famous. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he could go to Wheaties or go to ESPN or go to somewhere and say, like, yeah, I'll do some advertising for you or something. And they'll be like, yeah, sure. Here's a hundred grand. Advertise our underwear for us, right? A hundred percent. If they gave him 50000 he even probably could cover what he needs to have a better house in 1990. Sure. That would never help now, but it might have helped back then. I think that came up, actually, about doing commercials. And he said something about, oh, that ship has sailed or something like that. Wait, but no, you... you're right. He's so famous that even if he had to do a little bit of begging or his agent had to say, throw him a bone then it would have helped. And they wouldn't have to live in this little place. It would never be a mansion, but it wouldn't have to be that tiny little house. They could have a nice place in the suburbs, probably. But then there's no movie. I'm sure there could be a movie. And I know that they pay lip service to him. No, I can't do it anymore. No, you just got back. Literally, this movie opens with him coming back from Russia and having a press conference. Beating this guy who should have killed him. Yeah, so he is still famous. Look at all the media that was there that was Mm -hmm. swarming you. There's still opportunities there. But you're right. If that comes up, then there's not a movie. And that's why in my head I'm thinking... Well, why can't they just come up with a reason why he needs to go back to Philadelphia? It's not money. He needs to go back home for a reason. Maybe he's just feeling disconnected from his roots. Maybe he's worried that Rob is becoming a little Prince Fauntleroy kind of guy. He's too soft. He needs to get a little bit of a sense of where his family comes from. Which comes up when they do have to go back there. That's right. He's worried about him because he thinks he's not going to survive in the streets. That's right. So then you have a reason for him to like say, okay, we're moving the family back to the old place. I'm going to train at Mickey's gym. I'm retired. There's other ways to get him back to that situation. I think that's not the money thing. But let's talk about the money thing. Yes, because we've probably commented on other Rocky podcasts about this, knowing we'd eventually cover this movie, that it makes no sense at all that Polly has access to the power of attorney signing over. Adrian was still home. They went to Russia for maybe it's been a few days or a week or maybe even a little longer. 
don't know how long he's supposed to have been in Russia training. Let's he, say he it was did a grow month. a beard. He Let's say ever. they were there for a solid month, and Adrian didn't go for a little while. Yeah, Adrian A is his wife. Yes, Polly is not his manager. So you could argue that Polly signed something that went over to Russia. I don't know how that would have ever happened. But Adrian would have been the person to handle it anyway. He would probably have told Adrian, you've got to handle everything while I'm away. Yeah. Understandably, he's going in the middle of nowhere. It's not only he's going to another country. He's going to be in the middle of nowhere. Why Polly has this opportunity? And then him being so obstinate, it's not my fault, it's your crooked <laughs> attorney, your lawyer, agent. Some combination, yeah. Why did Polly have the access to do this? It'd be like me taking that from you. And now, granted, I guess he lives with them and he has family. But if I, for some reason, live with you guys, Ryan just signed something over and then that guy stole your money. Well, don't blame me. I'm going to go to the bar now. Sorry, Chris. Well, he doesn't even apologize, does he? Yeah. But, oh, well, why did he ever have access to this at all? It doesn't make any sense. It's like you, Ryan, going to a banker and saying, hey, I'm signing over to... Better example, your sister. You do have a sister. Two. Okay, fair. One of my sisters goes to my bank and says, here, I'm signing a power of attorney over to this third party for Chris. No, you're not. What authority do you have to do that? <laughs> we know from past movies also that Adrian, as much as she loves Polly. She knows he's a fuck-up, right? She's more mad at him than Rocky is. Yeah, so even if Rocky were to go, hey, Adrian, Paulie needs to do something here. Let's give him this role. And she'd be like, no, hell no, Rocky. He can do other stuff, but he's not handling our money because he'll drink it away or he'll gamble it. If we wheel things back a little bit, Rocky needs to go back to his roots. Fine. We'll find a way to get him there. No, he has to be broke. Uh, Okay, stupid idea. Okay, how is he going to be broke? Is he going to give all his money away to a good cause or something? Because we know Rocky's a real good guy. He's into church and charities. No, no, Polly's going to lose it by signing over legal documents. When Polly was in Russia with Rocky. Yeah, like, wait, what? (laughs) And there's like one crooked dude that's doing all this. Now, granted, we just saw Usain Bolt apparently lost $12 million because one of his managers or somebody scammed him out of it. But that's not all of Usain Bolt's money. This wouldn't be everything Rocky owns. Well, and also, I texted you about this guy, it was maybe 20 minutes in the movie, and I said, why did he own nothing? Except oh, something, their clothes and basic furniture, although that furniture doesn't look like they owned it before. It's pretty crappy. They probably got it discounted somewhere. Mm-hmm. He owned nothing. If Bev and I lost this house, we would still have the car. We would still have our clothes and our bed and computers and iPads and all kinds of other things. Of course, they didn't have iPads and phones back then, but it seems like they take next to nothing except for some of Robert's clothes Rocky and Adrian's old clothes, and nothing else. Okay, they didn't make good business decisions, but that's the weakest part of any of the Rocky movies, I think. I know this movie shit on by everybody, including Stallone. He gave it a zero, apparently, when he was interviewed about this. (laughs) I don't think that's fair at all. I think this movie's worth more than that, for sure. You don't have to like this movie, even if you made it. Yeah. A zero? That's also pretty insulting to Avildsen and the other actors, the crew that work hard on that. He knows better than anybody that he's not the only one that makes a movie. But that never made any sense at all, and it's probably the weakest thing in what is the weakest of all the Rocky movies, that Polly has any power over this, but also that Rocky didn't, and Adrian, didn't own almost anything. Okay, maybe you mortgaged your house, but then you have all these other things. You could sell some of these other things rather than being auctioned off and sold for you because you have that much debt. Rocky isn't bright, but that's why you do hire agents. Now, we've seen athletes like Mike Tyson, and you just said Bolt, get screwed over by agents and managers. Athletes who don't really have scholarly training they're not what Apollo said in, what, the first movie? They're not being thinkers, they're being stinkers. That's <laughs> what he said. Adrian is involved in this. If it was just Rocky, I could see it happening better. It would never be allowed to happen by Adrian. And that's what drives me nuts. Because athletes can lose their money, or the vast majority of it, if not all of it. And they could have had Rocky do that if that's really what they wanted to happen to the character to move him back to Philly. But this was the best you could come up with, guys, mm-hmm. really? I really criticized him, meaning Burt Young, playing Paulie, yeah. in Rocky Four. 
There are some moments I love the thing about, if I could unzip myself and be somebody else, I'd be you. That's You're all heart rock. That was sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. Otherwise, he's just annoying in that whole movie. The robot stuff, although the cut that they did a couple of years ago that Stallone put out that's more serious, he's less annoying, but he's still annoying. I still haven't seen that cut. I have you got to watch it. Like I that. enjoyed it. I paid for it. I thought I was going to hate him in this movie, and I actually didn't really... Really? The early on stuff, yeah. What we're just talking about right now, yeah. although those scenes are pretty vivid too when she's shouting at him and that's right after Rocky had had that nice scene with his son kissing him on the mouth good night, but it is his actual own son sure. playing his son, so okay. But they had that sweet little moment about the French teacher and the drawing and all that stuff. We know that Robert and he are obviously pretty close. Right away, then it's Polly's lost the money and she's shouting at him and then we see the scene where they're in the manager's office and they find out, or the agent, whatever it is, lawyer, what really happened with Polly. But after that, I actually didn't mind Burt Young in this movie compared to the previous one because yeah. he's the one that talks sense about Tommy. No, he's not worth it, Rock. He says it before Adrian says it. Of course, he meets Tommy before Adrian does too. But somehow, Polly gets it all along. And then at the end, when Tommy slugs him and Rock gets up the, you knocked him down. Now, why don't you try knocking me down? But right before that, though, Polly's saying to him, you should let him on the street. Burt yeah. Young, for most of this movie, not the stuff with the financial wheelings and dealings, Reminded me of the Burt Young in the first movie, which got an Oscar nomination and directed by Abelson then, too. For the most part, Abelson seemed to tamp him down and make him far more tolerable. He's also the one training Robert. Well, we yes. get one of the many montages, always in Rocky movies, there are montages. Tommy's being trained by Rocky and Robert's being trained by Polly. And also that other guy who we saw, I think the first movie named, what is it again? It's Jimmy Gambina plays Jimmy. I recognize his face and I think he's in the first one. He's one of the people helping Rocky training when Mickey's training Rocky. Oh, okay. I'll Fair click enough. on you'll see the face here. For our listeners, this will mean nothing. Eventually, it'll happen. Very slow internet service today. That guy. Oh, that guy's back. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't pick up on him in this one. I'm not going to disagree with you. I think you're right. Once you get past a certain point in the movie, Polly's temperament is definitely tamped down somewhat. And this is, I think, just baggage from three and four mm-hmm. catching up. And also to... Rocky Balboa, because there's times in that one he's insufferable. The cumulative experience of Polly and the Rocky franchise, it makes it hard for me to love anything the character does at this stage. You've been living with these people, Polly, for how long? I know Rocky's thrown you a bone, giving you a role, presumably paid you a salary of some kind. Mm-hmm. Can I have a job? In Rocky Three, so yes. Yeah. yeah. So you saved zero dollars. True. That time. Where's his money? You've been living with them this whole time. You're still living with them when they move back to In that Philly. tiny little place. In yeah. that tiny little place. How? That's a good point. I haven't thought about that. Polly should have some money. The portrayal by this point is not drunk, stumbling around Polly. He does a lot of drinking. He mm-hmm. says, I need to drink a bunch of times. But like you said, we see him training the kid in the mm-hmm. gym. He's there in the gym. So he's a functional human being at he this point. He seems sober, though, most of the time. Yeah. So I did prefer seeing him in this kind of role, obviously, versus the previous few movies. But it made me wonder, coming back to Robbie a little bit, right? Stallone's kid. Don't call him Robbie every time. I don't know. <laughs> call him Sage. Sage. Sage Stallone. Unfortunately died, by the way. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It was quite a few years ago, too. Uh, he also was in Daylight with his dad, which I've only ever seen once, but I thought it was an okay action movie. I don't know if I've ever 2012, seen 2012, he died. Coronary artery disease. Oh, wow. So he was, what is that? Not even 30? Or not even 40? 76? Oh, he was born the year that Rocky came out. Huh. A couple months before the movie came out, I think. Sage Moonblood Stallone. That's sad. He was a young man. So anyway, about the son. You said Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> I understand what the screenwriters are wanting to do here. They Which is just Stallone. Is it just Stallone? Mm-hmm. I thought he had some co-writers. Okay. So what Stallone is trying to do is he's trying to set up the yeah, We're real close. We talked about the French teacher. I kissed you on the mouth. Good night at the bed. You know, home <laughs> team, all that stuff. Home team. 
But I think there's a couple of flaws to this whole story arc. First and foremost, driven by the fact that the kid at this point is about 14, right? Sage Stallone's 14. And I know Stallone wanted his own son in this role, but I think if he goes with an actor who's the 9 or 10 years old that he should be based on Rocky IV age, mm-hmm. this plays a little bit more realistically to me. We see shots of the kid seeing Adrian yelling about what Polly had done. He hears everything about the money. They've lost everything. Mm-hmm. He sees the auction. He's old enough to understand what's going on and what this means. So that later when he sees Rocky training Tommy, trying to earn a living, trying to get the family back on okay. its feet. How does he not get it? How does he not get it, A, right? Because if he doesn't have time for me, there's a reason. You're right. And B, it's not like I'm being kicked to the curb and abandoned by my family, right? My mom's still there, despite the fact that she's also working. She's at home when she needs to be home, making dinner, all that stuff. My uncle is still training me in the gym, helping me learn to fight mm-hmm. because I'm feeling like I need to defend myself. So the fact that Stallone wants us to think, oh, this is a kid that just wants his daddy's attention, doesn't understand why he's not getting it. No, you've told me already. This kid is smarter than you are. Mm-hmm. He's 14. He should get it. So that angle doesn't really play for me at I this point. I think part of it is because he was spoiled, for one thing. The only son of very rich people. I mean, that's fair, yes. And then when Rocky wasn't training for a fight, and he probably wasn't fighting as much before the Drago thing, it seems like he wasn't boxing all that often. World champions don't in a given year. He wasn't young anymore in Rocky 3 and 4. And also, isn't it in Rocky 3 he was supposed to win, lose, or draw? This is his last match. But he's still champion going into the Drago fight, so he probably wasn't boxing much at all. So he had time for the sun all the time, but now he doesn't. So I can understand even a 14-year-old struggling with that. Okay. But he is acting like a bit of a petulant kid. But maybe also, even though he's smarter than his parents, at least Rocky, a little immature. You're 14 years old. You're still immature. You're still hormonal. You're still going to act out a bunch. Now, granted, I didn't think about the angle you just mentioned, so that's fair. Getting spoiled? The spoiled thing. You stole a lot of attention from dad when dad's home. I still don't know, even with those considerations, whether that whole arc would fully play for me. It's over the course of at least a year, a little longer than a year, I guess, because there's the Christmas scene, but then the fight where Tommy beats Union Kane and becomes champion... It's probably at least a few months later. It still looks like it's winter, but it could be February-ish. So it's a year plus that's yeah. gone on in the course of this. But by the end of that period of time, Tommy has kicked Rocky to the curb, don't forget. Mm-hmm. So that attention to Tommy would have gone out the window by that point. Yeah, and Rocky does apologize to Adrian. I guess it's Christmas yeah. Eve. And then he apologizes to the son. The thing I didn't like about the son, actually, is that it seemed like Sage, who's not really an actor, he does okay in this considering he's yeah. had so much screen time. But when he's trying to be the tough kid, I guess maybe that's the point, you could argue. Avildsen might have argued that as the director. Yeah, the point is that he's faking it. So the actor faking it makes sense. But it does seem like Sage Stallone is trying to be tough and cool when he's just not. The earring thing he's got. I can't remember in 1990 where, like, dangly earrings on teenage kids a thing. It might have been, but I'm sure the whole point is to make it look as ridiculous as possible. Yeah, and they pulled that off in spades, let me tell you. I wasn't sure either watching it whether that was an intentional ask of the director to make it feel forced on the character's part so that you feel like Rob is just trying to inhabit the tough guy persona because he doesn't know what else to do with himself. And he also beat up his bully, who's now his friend. That actually played for me. I've known people that has definitely happened to. You hate somebody in school, and then you have like this fight when you're 12 years old. And then your friends? Talk it out a little bit, and you realize, oh, yeah, this is why we were hating on each other and got it out of your systems, and now you're friends. Hanging out on Christmas Eve, in fact, with these new friends. That seemed a little weird. The forced tough guyness of Sage Sloan's performance, fine. Bully being the friend now, fine. I can come around to that, too, like I just said. But the way he talks to his father and his mother, I guess Polly, too, on Christmas Eve, flat out gets away with it. From Rocky, I found that hard to believe because I know as much as Rocky wants to be his son's best friend and 
is trying to be nice to the family. If your 14-year-old son gives you that much lip on Christmas Eve when you're just trying to do something nice for them and your only reaction is, hey, we used to have fun. We can still have fun. What's going on here? Last Christmas was like this. You were in Russia last Christmas, Rock. I mean, that is true. (laughs) It felt like at a certain point he would have lost his temper. Rocky has never been known as the most even-keeled guy through thick and thin. He always tends to lose his temper at a certain point and that he didn't do it there felt a little bit forced. But I guess you have to have the reconciliation moment where he follows Robbie and his friends out and catches them smoking later. I thought it was pretty well done. That moment was touching enough. I wish they had gotten there a different way. Like a lot of things in this movie, I was watching it and thinking, this individual scene plays all right. But the way they get to each one of those scenes, I'm like, oh, there's so many other options to get from point A to point B to have those moments. Mm. And they always felt to me like they chose the most forced or the least convincing one of those options. I I read that Ableton thought the screenplay was great. Really? Now, it could have changed in of production course, for one for thing, sure. but if it didn't, then that means that he must have messed it up because I think you're right that a lot of the connecting devices don't work, but individual scenes do. Going back to the opening when Rocky sure. is trembling in the shower, can you get Adrian for me, Tony? That's a great scene. And then she comes in and he calls her Mick. He's losing track of who she is. Yeah. And of course, maybe three, four times in the movie, he has these hallucinations and these brain mess ups. I can't keep your hands from shaking. Yeah. And apparently what happened there, why he doesn't have those kinds of problems all that much in the movie he does go back to being dumb again and sound like he did in the first movie more so and I guess the second one. But why that didn't keep happening is Stallone realized this might be sad if the whole movie I'm like that. And I guess originally they were going to kill him. That would have been the poetic ending that he does beat Tommy but then dies in the hospital. And I'm sorry, Adrian. I always loved you. <sighs> but he said, I've read this before. It'd be like killing Superman. Yeah. And then I read that the studio didn't want him to do it. United Artists, the studio that made this movie, made all the Rocky movies. They didn't want to have him get killed off. So whoever made that decision, the idea was we're going to still have more movies come, although it took 16 years to get the next one going, Rocky Balboa, which was a pretty damn good sequel, one of the better sequels the whole series had, especially of the six Rockies, not including the two Creeds. And by the way, we're doing this because Creed 3 comes out tomorrow. But talking about individual scenes that we liked, I think the night when Tommy comes over and they have their big thing, I'm going to go with Duke now, drives off and Rocky has that, oh, my head. A little odd that that's what brings it on. Nothing physical happened to him. But he apologized to Adrian and Robert, and that's all fixed. So that whole night is a pretty tumultuous night for him. For the most part, I think that works. And even Tommy Morrison's performance as a non-actor, he only was in a couple of movies, isn't terrible. I actually liked him more in the earnest stuff in the early on. I'm going to work my butt off for you, sir, that kind of stuff. He's begging Rocky to train him, literally begging him. He might as well be down on his hands and knees. He's not, but he might as well be. I bought him more there than when he is actually more the animal screaming and yelling all the time outside the bar. Yep. Even though it's not like he's bad doing that, but he's almost annoying. But when he's just being the earnest guy, I liked him. He seems like a puppy dog. Yeah. Who could beat the hell out of you. There's two things there that I want to touch on that you talked about. I agree with you, by the way. Like, I think when he's just being the earnest guy that's trying to get Stallone's character to train him and stuff, yeah, that's a lot better than the barking guy later. But going back to what you were talking about with does Rocky die or not kind of stuff. I think that has a bigger role in the way this movie ultimately turned out and was received than often gets talked about. Because you think about the chain of events that would have had to happen for Rocky to die at the end of the movie, as was apparently scripted out originally. I've read this stuff too. I've actually watched the work prints that have popped up online of those scenes where he dies at the end. And I've heard similar things. Like you can't kill Rocky, whether it's Stallone not wanting to or the studio not wanting to, I think rightly they came to the decision you don't kill Rocky because I think him dying that way at this point in time would have been a huge mistake. And we've seen what Stallone did with the character later on, Mm -hmm. which I think was a much more powerful and impactful way to 
handle the Balboa character aging out. However, early in the screenwriting process and the production, when you're filming this stuff, you're thinking, okay, we got to get Rocky to a point where he's going to die in this fight at the mm-hmm. end, right? So how do we do that? The hallucinations, well, the brain damage. Exactly. And I think that they, right off the top of this movie, say... And listen, I already said I like the handshaking scene. I like what Talia Shire and Stallone did there. I think mm-hmm. that's a really powerful scene. And especially for a boxer that's been at this for a long time, makes perfect sense, for sure. Surely real boxers have gone through that exact moment. Exactly. But at the point when you go to the doctors and they're like, listen, traumatic brain injury, never heal, can't fight ever again. If you fight again, you're going to die. At that point, you know, well, we're never going to see Rocky in the ring. and He won't get sanctioned, yeah. He won't get sanctioned. And then at the end, when you do have him fight, you expect, well, that's it. He's going to die. As much as I think him dying would be a mistake, you set it up that that's going to happen, and then it doesn't happen. It just feels off. That's right? true. Yeah. So for a big reason, I don't really like this movie. Far and away, my least favorite Rocky movie, right? That's no big statement, I don't think. Is because it's not really Rocky's movie, a lot of it. It's a lot of Rocky's emotions and his family's turmoil. Mm. But it's not a Rocky movie. We never get the training. We never get him fighting. We never get any of the usual Rocky we stuff. some training, but not as much. Not but, really. And not a real proper match, you're right. Not with him, at least. Tommy fights exactly. quite a bit. And we see a little Union Kane. That guy's a terrible actor. Yeah. But I think for me, first and foremost, is it's just not Rocky's movie. It's Tommy's movie at the end of it. And if I'm watching a Rocky movie, frankly, I want to see Rocky overcome in the way that Rocky always overcomes. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a physical thing. And I get why he actually fights him. My ring's outside. I understand why he would do that, because his brother-in-law just got punched out by the world yeah. champion. He was trying to dog him anyway. Rocky let himself get talked into something he shouldn't have. But look at the money he's throwing away. Exactly. Now, he apparently made no money from training this guy, which he should have. Duke is saying it's the biggest contract of all time to fight Union Kane. That's right. How much money could he have made fighting Tommy Morrison? Well, that's just it. Or Tommy Gunn. Sorry, Tommy Morrison's the real guy's name. If you think it through in the world of Rocky, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to allow himself to be so overcome with emotion that way because he's throwing away all that money, like Mm -hmm. you said. And from a viewer's perspective, at least for me, watching him win that street fight, it's empty because I know it signifies nothing except a momentary loss of control by Rocky where he allowed himself to fight Tommy in the streets. It was filmed, though. They bring a camera with them. Tommy and Duke bring a camera. And the guy is recording everything. So all the more so, people are going to see this. It's not even a matter of some urban legend. We said an Undisputed last year, the boxing movie would be covered with Snipes and... That's right, good comparison. Ving Rames, where part of the plot line is that it never gets out officially that Snipes beat Rames in jail because Rames is the champion who went to jail and goes back and wins the championship again. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that happened. That ain't real. Well, we know this is real because somebody recorded it and could have aired it on the news and both Rocky and Tommy make nothing from that. Yeah. And Tommy got arrested. And I wondered about that because I've seen the movie so many times. This may be a bad movie, but I've seen it maybe six times over the years. It would be poetic if I saw it five times, I guess, right? <laughs> but I wondered why Tommy got arrested. And I realized he slugs three or four of the people from the bar pretty much apropos of nothing. I don't think they attack him. These guys want to help Rocky out before anything really gets going. Hey, it's okay, guys. We just a pioneer contest. I don't need your help. What are you slagging these guys for? They want to help you, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Tommy hits two or three people. So if he's arrested, it's probably that. I don't oh, it's know assault. Else, yeah. I don't know why else he'd be arrested. If Rocky's not arrested for doing this, then why is Although, then again, it could be the hometown boy and everyone loves Rocky. Look at the reaction yeah. he gets. I think that's it. That whole arc with around the brain trauma and stuff, I feel like was a mistake. And I think they realized after the fact that it was a mistake too, because obviously by Rocky Balboa, the whole thing is like, oh no, the doctors made a no, mistake. He passed with flying colors. They were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Really? Now we've seen professional wrestlers who've retired from concussions who got cleared. So I guess it can improve, but I've wondered about that. These real guys, what's his name? 
or like a Chris Benoit. No, it wasn't that he didn't get cleared. Brian Danielson. He was Daniel oh, Bryan. somebody that had trauma wrestling. and yeah. then got cleared later. An actual a wrestler. So oh, it's fake. It's not fake. Fuck that. But anyway, he didn't get to wrestle for several years because he had concussion problems. But he's been oh, wrestling yeah. for several years since he got cleared. It took a while, but he actually got cleared. I've always wondered if that was anything remotely smart to do because if you had these kinds of problems, I'm better now. Okay, but are you better enough? If you lose your life, you're only 40-ish years old. You've got a family. With Balboa, 16 years had passed and you could argue something had changed and yeah, the doctors could have been wrong, but wouldn't Rocky have gone to multiple doctors? He wouldn't go to one and say, <laughs> well, I guess this guy knows what he's talking about, Adrian. I think he did go to one. That's probably it. <laughs> the worst one in Philly. <laughs> yeah, the guy was the D student. Who, hey, I got no money left. Who's the cheapest doctor in town? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think they go for the tests before they lose they all do. the money, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's definitely a bad idea. Even if you feel better, we know that the effects of concussion are cumulative, right? So you can get your bell rung a couple times and be out, and then the symptoms subside and you feel fine, you go on. But if you get another concussion after that, it's just going to add on and be worse and be worse. And, and be after, worse. during and after the fight against Mason the Line Dixon, Dixon. Ugh, dumb nickname. I love that nickname. He it's never dumb. shows any of these effects, which I guess you don't want to get into, partly no. because Rocky or Stallone wanted to just forget this movie ever existed. I think that's true. And you mentioned Mason Dixon and Rocky Balboa, and that's a segue for me to Tommy Morrison because that was another example of trying to teach a boxer to act rather than have an actor play a boxer. And he did all right, too. Mason Dixon did all right. I don't want to put this all on Tommy Morrison because I think he does fine in a lot of the scenes. It's a C-plus, at least, performance. Sure, but I don't think the character is given enough time to evolve for me to either like him as a replacement protagonist for Balboa or treat him as the antagonist in the movie. And hate him. And hate him. I don't feel either way about him. I'm never rooting for him in the beginning, and I never really hate him enough in the end, and then I feel like the end fight is so silly that it doesn't matter anyway, but... Indifference is bad. Indifference is bad. And I disliked Mason Dixon more because they gave him more of that direct art. This guy was always going to be the antagonist. He was always going to be the mouthy asshole, so he's given more opportunity for that to happen, whereas Tommy Morrison has never really given that opportunity. If you cast a Mr. T type in Tommy Morrison's role, a guy that has just got so much outgoing charisma, maybe given the same kind of role that Tommy Morrison was given, maybe he can get more out of it just because he oozes so much of that stuff in a really outgoing way. And says some pretty terrible things in that movie, to Adrian at least. Yeah, 100%. So that's not all Tommy Morrison's fault. That's casting, that's screenwriting, that's directing, whatever. When I think back to Carl Weathers, Mr. T, and then Dolph Lundgren as the three actors brought in to be the boxing heavies in the preceding Rocky movies. This guy just pales? Pales. Two of the four, I guess, are white guys, but he's actually literally pale also compared to two of the other guys. You know what the kicker is for me? I told you after I watched Rocky V that I found the 30 for 30 about Tommy Morrison. Which I saw a while ago. Yeah, Yeah, and I'd never seen it. Until I watched that, I had no idea that Tommy Gunn was an actual boxer that had been mm. brought in for this role. I think the guy who plays Kane was too. That makes sense. Not that he boxes much in the movie. Union Kane has virtually no presence in this movie either. That's a nothing character. My boy, I want the opportunity to take what you got. <laughs> what the hell was? I think he's trying to play Mr. T. I think so. Really failing at it. So hard. Failing so hard. But the sad thing for me watching that 30 for 30, aside from like the whole story of Tommy Morrison's life, which in and of itself is both very, very sad, Mm, kind of pathetic in the way that he threw away so many opportunities and so much help from his friends. But Tommy Morrison himself was such an unexpectedly well-spoken guy. Maybe it was nerves in front of the camera or maybe it was direction. But I felt like the stuff that he did just being himself in front of the camera was way more charismatic 
than anything we saw in, in this, this movie. movie. Yeah. He was born January 2nd, 1969, so when they're yeah. filming, he was around 20. And it's asking a lot, then, of a 20-year-old who's never acted before. Oh, it's asking a ton. And that was the other interesting element of that show about Tommy Morrison, is I think it was Frank Stallone that was there that told the story about how Sly was just struggling to find somebody to be this character in Rocky Five, and it was Frank Stallone that says, hey, I'm watching this boxer fight right now, check him out, and mm-hmm. that sort of got the ball rolling. Maybe it was just too much to ask of him too soon. That could be. Usually I would have done this long ago, but let's go over some of the bona fides. Oh, yeah, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> and by the way, what we're drinking, I've got water, you've got tea, I guess, right? Even though we're doing this when the Super Bowl is on. We've done that before, at least once we've recorded a podcast during the Super Bowl. This is a sports movie podcast. We're missing the biggest game of the year, but I don't watch football anymore anyway, and I've explained before why. Similar to this movie, I can't watch people do something that I know is hurting them. Yeah. Call me a weak liberal, I don't care. <laughs> I never love football anyway, but when I started hearing some of the stuff, the movie Concussion that Will Smith did around that same time we were learning what's happened to these guys. Yeah. And they hit each other hard over and over. That's the point of the game. I can't watch it. Sorry. Anyway, so part five was released by United Artists on November 16th, 1990. So they were angling for this to be an Oscar movie, I guess, releasing it around then. Okay. It didn't make its money back domestically, which does not happen to a film in this series, but went on to make close to three times its budget worldwide. So I don't know if you can call it a failure when it does that okay worldwide. Critics, though, Rotten Tomatoes, Pretty bad. 31% of both the audiences and the critics gave it the same number. 4.2 to 10 is the average from the Rotten Tomatoes critics, and 39 reviews are on the site. It was 32nd at the box office that year. We covered Days of Thunder, one of our first podcasts. That was 13th, and this was nominated for seven Razzies. Didn't win any of them. Really? It was up for Best Picture. Oh, sorry, Worst Picture, Worst Director, Stallone, Shire, and Young for their performances. The screenplay and the song, That's the Measure of a Man, written by Alan Menken, who had already won two Oscars for The Little Mermaid the year before and would go on to win six more, but got a Razzie nomination for that song that plays in the end credits of this movie. Wow. I had never picked up on the fact before that there is so little music in this movie from prior Rockies. And we only get one little snippet of the dan, 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 which I really like, actually. When he's hallucinating on the ground and his brain's basically exploding on him, yeah. he imagines Mickey. We'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. Get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. I really like that one. You hear it earlier in the movie, and then when he hears it in his head, that part's done pretty well. That is done well. But I think the rest of the movie, especially because so clearly the idea was we're taking Rocky back to his roots, how do you not lean into some of the classic Rocky music? Not necessarily that particular refrain, because I agree with you, they did it pretty well in that particular moment. But there's other elements of the score from the previous two movies that you could have brought back to resound with the area these back in. From why is his heart not on fire? Yeah, why isn't his heart on fire? Why about, are two worlds the, colliding? What about the burning heart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> two worlds colliding, right? Yeah. I don't care what it is. Bring some of it back. His eyes no longer resemble tigers? <laughs> <laughs> they do not. <laughs> Rocky, your eyes have changed. There's some moments in this movie, like when he's training Tommy and they're using some of the contemporary R&B or right, hip-hop more stuff. hip-hop, yeah. Which is cool, for sure. Have they that too. Creed as well. Yeah, but if you have Rocky walking around the neighborhood and stuff, that's where you use the older stuff. And some of the musical cues in this were so misguided. I mentioned earlier that first scene where the kid gets beat up and he's walking away and the girl comes up to say, sorry that happened to you kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. he's being a total ass to her. The music underscoring that moment, which is supposed to be somber, those kids having a hard time, mm-hmm. he's getting beat up. Is like, bam, 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 bam
do 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 do. I think they're trying to play off of that from the first movie. Yeah, but it's bouncier, late yes. '80s, early '90s. Doesn't fit the scene. Doesn't fit the scene at all. Bill Conti is the composer, by the way, so he's the guy. He that, is. There he is, right there. Bill Conti. Oh, Bill Conti. Just like the producers were Shardoff and Winkler. Their sons are involved in the movies now. I'm not sure if they're involved in Creed Three. I didn't look that up, but no idea. You look at all the credits on the recent Creed movies, and it's the same last names, but it's different first names. I was about to say, why didn't they just ask Bill Conti to sign off on reusing some of this material, like hand him a check? But I guess they did, and this was the result. Maybe he wanted to do something different. Maybe Avilton, or well, I'm sure Stallone had a lot of power on this. Oh, for sure, yeah. Asked him to do something a lot different, and obviously somebody must have made that choice, whether it be Conti or those guys, because yeah, when you get a tiny little snippet of the famous score, was it overused in all the other movies? Probably, but that's also even a Rocky movie. It's still inspirational. The third movie did the exact same thing with the going to fly now theme, but when it's him and Apollo running on the beach, it's one of the better uses of it. My favorite use of any of it is the second movie when he runs with the kids up the steps. Running by himself is awesome. It's great in the very first movie. And the Steadicam was brand new to movies at that point. It was like the second movie they ever used at Steadicam. Really? was the first Rocky. But I love the one in Rocky too. I like it when he runs with Apollo. And even though they don't really use the theme in Rocky Four, they do have Hearts on Fire, which I like a lot too. I think it's actually a better song than I of the Tiger. Blasphemy, but that's my Whoa, opinion. I said that to you when we did Rocky Four. I think you did. I, 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 I was stunned fire. that I like that song too. I've listened to that more on my phone than I've ever listened to Eye of the Tiger on my phone. Let's really? Put that one, yeah. There were some good songs and memorable songs in four. Here's the very next movie five years later, and there's no songs you can think of at all that measure up. And they didn't even that's lean true. on the theme from the very first movie that played in the other, well, three of them anyway. And this movie relies on bringing people back. Stu Nahan's in this. He's not commentating a match, but he's the guy who was always the play-by-play guy in all the other movies. He's one of the reporters. I think he's the one, I think it's him, the blonde in the front row comes cheap. What does she do to you, (laughs) asshole? Good Lord. There's a couple scenes in this movie where whether it's Rocky or this character, people rip in on random other person Mm. in the scene for no apparent reason. I'm like, Mm. what the hell? But you see so many recurring characters that came back. Obviously, you've got the whole family. They're lucky that Shire and Young were always available. Yeah. Shire was in The Godfather Part Three the same year as this. And I think it was actually around the exact same time frame. And that's acknowledged as the worst of The Godfather movies. And to some people, is a complete dud. I think there's a lot of redeeming qualities in Three. Yeah, I didn't I see too. the recut that they did a couple years ago. Bev and I covered that for the podcast, but not the recut. Because it came out, I think, later that same year. But she was in two basically duds from these epic series that she was in the exact same not only year but i think a couple of months that's kind of wild and by the way the score factor for this movie not really zero but i think talia shire looked better than she ever did in this movie we appreciate a lot of these actresses in these movies as they get into middle age because we're middle aged (laughs) because we're middle aged i know i agree with you and i think part of that is intentional too in this movie because the character of adrian is meant to have evolved herself she's not like the little mousy shy, intimidated woman that she was in the first Rocky. Mm. She's now a much more self-possessed person. I think you're a much more attractive person generally across the board, regardless of gender or anything. If you've got confidence, if you're more outgoing, and Mm. she's definitely that in this movie. One of the things that I did appreciate about this, just on the topic of bringing characters back, because like you said, this is a movie that relies so much on nostalgia and back to the roots. The priest. Father Carmine. Father Carmine. I like that at the end, too, when he gives him the blessing. Yeah. I love when he does that. Yeah. It's a small thing, but for any fans of the franchise, you remember Rocky going and yelling up, wanting a blessing from Father Carmine. And Rocky, too. I'm so late. Yeah. Yeah. But every time I see one of these nice touches, I just wonder, why did you go that far with the nostalgia and not all the way? Why bring back Carmine? Why have those scenes, but not go all the way with the rousing themes from previous movies? Why the half measures in certain spots? I think they were so self-conscious about overdoing it, maybe. 
And then, as Maybe. we said, even though the first movie won the Oscar for its editing, mostly for that last fight, because apparently they shot it backwards. And I think a lot of people were impressed, as they should have been, about making these guys look like that. But then it's because they had them without kind of makeup and then they take it off. In any case, that won for its editing and probably deserved to. But in this case, the movie is not all that well edited. Okay, Mickey. Yeah. So we see him for maybe five minutes of total screen time. And you don't really see Stallone because he's supposed to be playing somebody who's 14 years younger. Yeah. And it's okay that Meredith looks so much older because he looked old in the first movie anyway. But the speech apparently is based on something that Mike Tyson's trainer said, customado. The line I wrote down was, and I guess Cus maybe said this, maybe not this exact words, but Mickey says in the ring, so it's supposed to be leading into the first fight against Apollo. People die sometimes when they don't want to live no more. But you give me a reason to live, kid. I was very touched by that. And then at the end, we said already, get up, because Mickey loves you. What she says in that scene, and then you see the snippet of it when Rocky's laying on the ground. That's right. And having all these flashbacks and hallucinations and probably shouldn't get up because, hey, one more round, Tommy. I didn't hear no bell. I don't think that Rocky and Mickey were as close in the first movie at any point, and maybe into some parts of two, as this flashback pretends that they are. This is revisionist oh. history. Oh, that they're that close. They're 100%. They're, I love, yeah. You gave me a reason to live. Really? This is definitely revisionist history. And you kind of understand why when you think about the circumstances in which the first Rocky and even the second Rocky were made. Oh, that was all about Rocky, his underdog story, period. Mm -hmm. But then as you get through three, four, and into five, it becomes much more reliant on relationships, right? Because you have to have the relationship in three between Rocky and Burgess Meredith and Rocky and Adrian in order, and Rocky and Apollo. Those are all integral moments in the movie in order to get him into the ring with Clubber Lang at the end. And yep. Without the relationship with Apollo and Rocky IV, he never fights drug. The relationships elements of things beyond just Adrian become so much more important as the franchise progresses that I think you're right. By the time you get to five and you're trying to figure out, well, how do I get Mickey into this movie? Maybe he gave him an inspirational speech that we never saw in the first one and we're going to flash back to that. So, yeah, you can think about it as revisionist history, but I agree with you. I think it's still touching, and I think it still works, in part because Burgess Meredith is just so good in his delivery. Everything he does as Mickey, even the more ridiculous lines he gave in this franchise, he's so good in the delivery that it plays for me, yeah, always. Well, the scene matter. I've talked about in Rocky Two so much where i got to be around it. I've used that line many times in our podcast a because great there are so many people in real life and in movies we've watched that are got to be around it, guys. Yeah. I would probably be that if I was at any level of sports, real sports, not just amateur like we play. But in that same scene, Mickey's talking about the hearing aid he has now. Yeah. Rocky comments on it. Oh, I hear stupid things better. <laughs> <laughs> he was the trainer and the manager for Rocky in all those years until he died. Yeah. The promoter in this movie, not a trainer or a manager, but that is George Washington Duke. Yeah. Richard Gant does a pretty good job with the way that Stallone wrote it, I think. He's over the top and he's annoying and obnoxious like he's supposed to be. Supposed to be, that's right. So that was a compliment. But the bigger compliment I can pay is to Stallone and Avildsen for putting in a crooked promoter. The one big thing, or a few big things, they've never really included in almost any of these movies, crooked promotion, drugs, swearing, these guys being violent with family members and their wives and stuff. Not everybody's like that in boxing or any other sport, but some are, and you never really yeah. saw that in any of these movies. The closest to swearing they ever really come is saying things like shit. You don't even hear that all that much in these movies. Rocky being a good-hearted guy, he's a leg breaker. He's a leg breaker, some cheap second-rate loan shock. But Rocky's usually pretty sweet. You say he loses his temper, but... He doesn't really lose his temper as much as you might think for somebody who did that for a living and yeah. is in a job where you're supposed to be an animal for however long it lasts, for 15 rounds. So having a crooked promoter in this movie, it was overdue to have somebody playing a Don King type because Don King screwed over a lot of people, including Mike Tyson. Of all the choices that this movie made that I didn't understand, this is one that I did, especially given the era in which it was made post 
rise to stardom of Mike Tyson and the re-rise to stardom of Don King. I agree with that. I thought the performance was what it should have been. It was over the top. It was obnoxious. It was in your face, but it made sense. Touch me and I'll sue. Yeah. Come on, pug. Touch me and I'll sue. Why? Sue me for what? <laughs> Why wasn't it touch me and I'll press charges? Why isn't it touch me and I'll sue? The cops are right there, but you're mm. right. Of course, this is the hometown crowd. They're not going to arrest Rocky mm. for punching the They're all going to say they didn't see nothing. <laughs> exactly. I was perfectly fine with the Don King character and basically his whole arc in this movie, aside from the fact that, again, name him anything other than Duke. Right. We have a Duke mm-hmm. in the franchise. To your point about Rocky and the leg breaker stuff, you're probably right. He doesn't lose his temper as much as he should. But there's moments in this franchise where he loses his cool, he loses his emotions, or he loses his temper. We know that Rocky came up as a street tough. Even in the final fight of this movie, Duke is yelling to Tommy, he's a street brawler. You're a boxer. Don't fight him like this. You're going to lose. And, no, he's not getting hurt. He's getting angry. He's not getting killed. He's getting mad. Look. That's what Polly says. That's right. Hit me all. Hit me in the face, Chip. But he's pretending he's mad, I think, in that, actually. I think you're right. He's trying to psych himself up in that moment as much as he can. Because he plays rope a dope, and then Clubber punches himself. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. And Clubber swings at nothing and tires himself out. So part of it is maybe I'm overestimating that just based on past history or anything like that. But that first press conference when Rocky comes back from Russia mm-hmm. and he's just addressing, and that's when we get the Don King standing, charging the stage, when Union King delivers that terrible line that you referenced mm-hmm. earlier. <laughs> I mentioned this to you before. You texted me about I texted this. You. Yeah. You're Rocky. You're the com- media in this movie are actually the villains. They really Go are. ahead. Rocky's just come back from Russia and he's giving a press conference to talk about what he just did. You know, he's this national hero. He beat the Soviet machine man and all that kind of stuff. And random person barges in on this press conference, mm-hmm. challenges, and at this point, Rocky, in order to fight Drago had to renounce. He's not the champion anymore. Yeah, he renounced the championship. I get that technically he's not the champion, but the point the movie's trying to make is in the hearts and minds of America, you're still the champ. Yes, right. But nonetheless, he's renounced his professional boxing credentials to go fight Drago. Dude charges up the stage, challenges him to a fight. Rocky's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. I just got home, which is Understandably. Fair. Yeah, for sure. You're, you've just been gone to the Soviet Union for, like you said, a couple weeks maybe. You just got your ass kicked in a winning fight, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. you got your ass kicked by Drago. Perfectly understandable. And then you got jackass reporter dude who's like, it's your professional responsibility to answer the question. You owe us. <laughs> he does not owe you. He doesn't owe you anything. That's not the point of this. He's retired. Gotta answer the question, Rocky. It's your responsibility. What the hell? It is not. Rocky does say, all right, that's it. I'm out of here. No more questions. And walks off. Good. Because it would have been really dumb if he's like, yo, you're right. I got to talk about <laughs> this right now. And then the media scene with Tommy, they give him no respect at all. Right. Okay, he's the clone ranger, as they say. He fights like Rocky, I guess, and he doesn't give Rocky credit for getting him to that place in the first place. He says, I want to thank the guy who got me here, Mr. George Washington Duke. Yeah. Which Tommy says so fast, you barely understand what he says. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he points to him, so you know what he's saying. And, of course, Rocky's so disappointed because he is the only person in that house that's rooting for Tommy. Polly, Adrian, or Robert are all against the idea of Tommy winning. Rocky's so enthusiastic. It should be. It's still somebody he thinks of as a friend, and he brought him up, and he still loves him and all that stuff. Hitting the heavy bag. I guess Rocky's staying in shape that way, hitting the heavy bag in the basement when he's watching somebody fight. Yeah. But the media are brutal against Tommy that night after he's won the championship, including that line, I think it's Stu Nahan, but somebody says about the cheap blonde in the front row. Good guy, guys. (laughs) (laughs) What is this person number two is? If I'm in Rocky's shoes in that moment, I'm hurt too. I know he hasn't made the big money yet, but you've won 22 fights or something at this point. He's 22-0, yeah. You've made some money. You're not destitute. You would think that, at the very least, before being so easily swayed by the promise of big dollars, that you would at least go to Rocky and say, hey, listen, 
he's promising me all this money. When are we going to fight for the championship? Because I'm pretty sure that was the thing with Rocky and Mick too. Rocky wanted to fight for the championship and Mick was like, no, you're not ready yet. We got to wait. We got to wait. We got to wait. No, no. He was ignoring Rocky in the first movie. What am I thinking of? Is and that, is that well, a Creed arc? Could be a Creed arc. Maybe it's a Creed Because in the first movie, Rocky's just one of the guys in the gym. And then when... Yeah, that's right. Apollo finds Italian Stallion. I got to fight that guy on, I think it's July 4th. So, I it's, think so that's why he's wearing the red, white, and blue shorts. Rocky wore them in four. Doesn't Creed wear them as well? Or Creed does wear them. Adonis yes. wears them, yeah, I should say. Adonis wears them, yeah. So what happens there is that when Mickey finds out that Rocky's got this opportunity, he's opportunistic, but he's honest about it. I don't want to see this shit happen to you. It happened to me. Right. So even though he is, well, you didn't care. that whole thing. Really good scene between the two of them. You could play that a lot of ways. It could be played like Richard Gant played in this movie. I'm going to make sure you're okay, even though he yeah. would scam every cent he could from the guy. Mickey does want to take care of him, and we learn in the other movies that he does. Yeah. But it didn't feel odd to you that immediately Tommy, and again, I understand. He does ask Rocky in one of the scenes, now am I going to get a title shot? He does say that in one scene. You're almost there. I'm, I'm working on it. I don't think Rocky knows what to do about promoting this stuff. Or, oh, I agree with you. I don't think he does. Because he's not, either. as he said, a manager. He's a trainer at best. It felt like it happened too fast to be realistic mm-hmm. to me that he would just immediately cut Tommy out. And then the flip side of that. Cut was, Tommy out? Sorry, that Tommy would cut Rocky okay. out of the deal by signing immediately with Duke. And then the flip side being that Rocky would just utterly refuse to help Tommy at that point. Because as Tommy's about to drive away... He's still offering Rocky a role in this. He's just determined that he's going to go fight in this championship for the big bucks. And Rocky basically says, no, you can't do it. If Rocky really cares about Tommy beyond just being a trainer, like in the way that Mick came to care about Rocky. I think he does, too. I think he does, too. Don't you think he would say, okay, I don't agree with this decision. All the more, maybe I should be behind you because I got it. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me, neither. Well, then maybe all the more you should be with him. Right. The fact that he just lets him drive away and makes no effort to then be in his corner to protect him a little bit. Eh, Rocky. I think because Adrian, that same scene when Tommy drives off and Rocky's having those hallucinations and all that, Adrian comes out and says, he doesn't have your heart. You're losing your son. I think maybe at that point he feels like, okay, then fine. I'm not going to travel anymore. I got to go to the gym, of course, every day with Polly. Maybe that's the logic there is that he's got to be home. But he's going to watch a boxing match on TV. Why not? And Tommy wins in about five minutes, so it wasn't much of their night anyway. <laughs> they had plenty of time to go drinking at the bar until Tommy came to challenge him. The depiction of the sport, well, boxing in a Rocky movie is usually more visceral and fun than authentic, yeah. but I don't think it's any worse than this than in most of the other ones. At least Rocky isn't beating a monster like Ivan Drago this time, although considering his condition at the start of the movie, the street fight with Tommy really should have killed him. Oh, absolutely. Quickly. If the doctors were so concerned about the state of his neurological processes and stuff that they're like, you can't box, yeah. then bare-knuckle brawling in the Two street. shots from the World Heavyweight Championship probably have really hurt him. Oh, yeah. Let alone dozens. Yeah, 100%. So as much as I think this movie probably would have been better served if they'd gone the route, again, of casting a charismatic actor and teaching them to box, rather than getting Tommy Morrison, who was probably a little out of his depth with what they're asking him to do... Mm-hmm. The one benefit you have is, of course, Tommy Morrison's a boxer. He knows how to box. And if you ever watch any snippets of his real-life fights, he fights in those real-life boxing matches, more or less, the way he fights in this movie. The real-life Tommy Morrison was a brawler in the ring. Okay. So. He's very bulky. So yeah, He's a wide dude. He's not yeah. He's not like the chiseled-cut Dolph Lundgren, Mr. T, or Stallone in the previous movies, mm-hmm. but he's got bulk. He's got strength, for sure. That's true. 
We already said you can't really score, although Shire looks great, I think, in this. And you do have the floozy on Tommy's arm at various points. Physical going, That's yeah. right, baby. You don't want to be number two, baby. That's right. We got to go, baby. We got to go. It closes at 10 or whatever she's trying to get him to go to. Yeah. Where are you going? I don't know what they did, say, do they? Didn't you just come back from the club with a pile of presents? Where are you going now? Tommy's just like, we'll make it. This is the high life. You have to be doing something all night long on Christmas Eve, apparently. Oh, sounds exhausting. It does. I don't want that. I'll take the small family life with the uncle playing a bad Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm going to give this a better score than probably anyone else would. I'm going to give it a six because mm. I can't hate this movie. There's too much stuff in it that really does touch me. Polly not being as annoying as I thought he was going to be. And then a non-actor like Tommy Morrison doing an okay job in this role. And then Richard Gant being way over the top and his buddy as well. as What's his name? I think he's Merlin Sheets is his name. Mike Sheehan plays him. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. You're going to give it a lot lower. I'm going to give it a lot lower than <laughs> what? I yeah. I'm pretty much in line with what you were reading off earlier about the critic scores. Three? Three. Whoa. I'm doubling you. There's elements of this movie I enjoy. The Mickey stuff, I'm down with that. There's certain scenes, the handshake and stuff, down with that. Tommy's okay, but like I said earlier, I'm more or less indifferent about him as a character. And if the best you can say about Polly is that he's less annoying than you expect. But he is. But it's damning with faint praise kind of stuff, mm. right? I'm such a fan of the first four movies, and I'm such a fan of everything that came after this movie that anytime I try to like, get into this... This is the valley. It's the... Yeah, it's the <laughs> boys in ever the valley. Mariana's Trench compared to the other ones. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I just gave it a nice review, but I am such a fan of the other movies, too. I've seen this movie at least probably half a dozen times as well, so I'm giving it a 3 out of 10, but it's still a Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Rocky doesn't really fight. He never steps in the boxing ring. Mm. We're not saying anything that people don't already know. It's definitely the worst Rocky movie, Mm. but it's got its goofy moments still. That's for sure. Oh, that's true. I was probably way too fair to it today. Well, we covered this today mostly because Creed 3 does come out tomorrow. I'm curious about that one. I might go see it in the big screen. And also because you've been talking about getting that dangling piercing in your ear and you really want to see how it looked on Rob first. And I am going to have to say no to it. (laughs) You thought better of it now? I've learned, yeah. I don't need that cufflink that... By the way, Apollo apparently has that on in Rocky too. So when Mickey says, I don't know, he gave it to some bum. Meaning Rocky Marciano gave that cufflink that's a boxing glove. That felt so much to me like the dice from the new story. Look, this thing that nobody cared about from the previous movie. Making a whole theme in Last Jedi. So forced. So forced, yeah. So Michael B. Jordan does direct this one, making his debut, Creed 3. And Sly will finally miss a Rocky slash Creed movie. He's been in all of the eight of them until this one. In two weeks, we'll stick with combat sports and see how good Chiwetel Ejiofor is at mixed martial arts in David Mamet's Red Belt, which you haven't seen and I haven't seen in a long time. I did see this when it came out. Oh, you did? I thought you hadn't seen it. Okay, I'm wrong about that. Because I'm a big fan of the dude whose name I will never be able to accurately Chiwetel Ejiofor? Yeah. I love that guy. I think it's phonetic, if you look at it. I think that's exactly how it said, is what I said. Really? My mouth is just not capable of uttering it. I feel like I'd We'll be call him by the character's name. Then. There we go. Yeah. Or Chewy. Looking forward to that one. <laughs> so we're on. <laughs> Chewy feels more insulting somehow. It might be. Yeah. Or edgy. <laughs> Maybe edgy. All right. So we're on Twitter. I'm at MovieFiend51. Chris is scoring at movies. The email address is scoring at the movies at gmail.com. You can find our podcast in all the podcast places. We've done 124, I believe it is. Yes, that's 124. Right. So... I didn't hear no bell. Oh, wait, there it was. It was in my head. Only I could hear it. It did get wrong a bunch. My bell got wrong. That's in the podcast. I love when he does that. You just got your bell rung, buddy. Maybe mm-hmm. you should have heard it. He likes almost everybody. Hmm. That's the measure of a man. Oh, God. Worst song in the franchise. <laughs> Bye.